Number one, read, uh, we'll read the first 11 verses here. This is our Vision Sunday. Somebody said, what does that even mean? Trey asked me if we was all going to get eye exams. <laughs> Probably the first time I've ever titled it Vision Sunday, but I've done this for years, tried to cast a vision for the church toward the first of the year in January, and uh, kind of uh, share with you where I see the church going and headed. For years, I come up with catchy titles that rhymed. And uh, I remember one time I preached on Say What You Mean in 2018. Uh, I forget. I had a bunch of rhymy, catchy titles, but I've grown up. <laughs> I realized rhyme time probably don't do go over so great sometimes. I just want to share my heart this morning. Verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, and the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses. Now let me just pause and say this. And it's not what I'm preaching on, but I think it's worthy of mention right here. This is thousands of years prior to anybody ever even having heard the word Palestinian. God gave them this land. Thousands of years prior. Verse 4, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Thou mayest observe do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand of the left. Thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou, shalt, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, command the people, saying, Prepare ye victuals, for then three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you'd help us to share with our people this morning that that you've dealt with our heart about concerning uh, the vision for the church. I pray, God, that we'd see you high and lifted up. God, it's all about you. Lord, it's all about you. I pray, God, today, Lord, that you'd make this church a soul-winning station, a light of truth. I pray, God, that our community, Lord, would see the truth in Concord Baptist Church. 
Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Nobody in here this morning remembers except Rachel. She probably has forgot the, the sermon that I preached as my very first sermon as the pastor of the Concord Baptist Church. I can say that with confidence that nobody remembers it but except for maybe Rachel because none of you were there. <laughs> uh, where were y'all at? I could have used you that first Sunday. But um, none of y'all were there. But I preached out of these verses, out of Joshua chapter number one. And I never have forgot what I preached. I don't believe I'll ever forget how God dealt with my heart to preach it. Where I was at when God dealt with my heart. And I preached uh, on those, uh, these verses and I preached on the commands of a new leader. And I preached on the crossing of a new place. The commitment of the same God and the containment of the same scriptures. That's what I preached all. That's my first message as the pastor of Concord Baptist Church in March of 1998. And uh, at that time, my intent was try to get the people to buy into me as their pastor. And that was a tall task because I was a kid. I was younger than Trey and uh, was green. I didn't know what I was doing. And, but I wanted them to buy into me as their pastor. Well, they didn't have much choice. They had me, amen. And uh, so I wanted them to believe in me. And uh, so I preached along those lines. Of course, I wanted them to believe in the Lord, but I wanted them to trust me as a pastor. And uh, so we've been on this journey now for nearly 26 years. And like I said, every Sunday, every new year, I try to cast some vision. And I've had some short-term visions that I've casted over the years that we've accomplished. I remember one great big vision uh, when we were going to build this building. That almost became division, amen. That was almost division Sunday when I cast that one cold January morning and 2008, and I stood up and said, I believe we ought to build a building. Vision Sunday became Division Sunday. But we all came back together and built a building. And uh, saw it completed, and many of you have come since we've been down here in this field, and I thank God for what God's done here. Well, this year, God has really dealt with my heart about something that I've seen happening a lot in churches and uh, trying to prevent it from happening here. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning, and it'll be a little different than what I normally do, maybe not such hard preaching, but more just talking to you. What I want to talk to you about this morning has to do with a multi-generational vision. It's easy for us to say, all right, this year we're going to try and grow our Sunday school program, which we're going to. I think that's the right thing to do. Matter of fact, some of y'all ought to come to Sunday school, and those of you that come ought to get here on time. All right. It's one thing to say we're going to try and grow our congregation, and I believe we will. I believe 2024 is going to be a, a, a banner year. I believe we're fixing to really have a great amount of growth, and I'm excited to see it happen. And we can say, well, this year's the year we're going to Buy some property. That's all well and good. But here's my question. 
What's going to come of the church 20 years from now if the Lord tarries his coming? Now, I'll tell you something, a problem that I'm seeing. Men like me who are control freaks, type A personalities, that's me all the way around, micromanagers. We have churches and they grow and we want to put our hands on everything that happens. And, you know, if you have a pastor that stays with the church 30, 40 years, as I plan on being here, 30 years is just around the corner, 30, 40 years, what happens is finally the preacher gets old and nobody knows what to do about it. And then one day the preacher gets sick and there's a bunch of men standing in the, in the preacher's uh, sick room there at the hospital and the other men standing out in the foyer of the hospital going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What if the preacher dies? What are we going to do? Or the preacher gets up and resigns one Sunday. How many times have you heard this story? Preacher gets up one Sunday morning and says, well, I'm done. <laughs> Good luck. Have a, have a nice life. I'll, uh, I'm gone. I won't be here next Sunday. What does the church do? Falls all to pieces, right? Because they, they weren't prepared for it. They weren't ready for it. Now, while I feel like I'm going to be here for a long time, both physically and spiritually, I feel that way. Still, it would be a blunder for us not to prepare now for what the future holds. While I'm here, regardless of what Colton says, young, at least healthy, we'll say that. The church is thriving. I say, thank God, that's all him. While all these good things are happening and we're growing, here's what I'm saying. We've got to start preparing for life after me, for life down the road. The Lord may come before I'm ever no longer the pastor here, and if he does, I say, Woo, glory to God. But if he don't, I want to leave a work down here in this cornfield that'll serve God for decades to come. Stay true to the Bible. Live for God. Be a vibrant church, making a difference, having an impact on our community. That is my desire. Just to see that happen. And I believe there's a biblical model for it. I... Uh, I'm going to be honest, when I first started pastoring, I told you, I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew to do, Brother Marvin, was to try and work on me, because I figured personal growth was my best way to help y'all. And it's, it's been true, by and large, that's been true. I, I've tried to study myself full, preach myself empty. I've tried to work on me, growing myself as a leader, growing myself as a preacher, trying to help, get, let God help me be the kind of pastor that I ought to be, and all of those things. But i tell you what I'm learning. The larger y'all get, the more I understand I can't do it all. I can't. I can't have my hand in every pot. I can't have my finger on every pulse. I can't, and so some of you have stepped up and I've turned over some duties over the last few years and allowed some other people to start doing some things and started giving up some, some areas of responsibility. And, but there's still things and pressures and things that people want out of me that I can't see to it all. So what we need is leaders. Now I'm gonna show you a biblical model this morning about leadership. 
And if nothing else, you can leave out of here this morning saying, I learned something about leadership. This last semester, I taught a class on leadership in Bible college. And I think it was probably more for me than it was for anybody else because it caused me to reset my priorities as a leader. And what I have come to realize, Brother Bobby, is that some people in life are made uh, to be followers. And that's fine. A leader has to have followers. It's like they told us in BLET all the time. Not everybody was meant to be the police. Some people was meant to call the police. Amen. And that's true here. Not everybody is meant to be a leader. Some of you are just meant to be followers. I continually feel the tension of where I feel like our church is and where I feel like our church could be. And I always want to see it move forward. Some of you are going to be followers on that journey. And that's fine. That's what God calls you to be. God puts you in there as prayer warriors, somebody to be here and help scotch, somebody just to be present and accounted for. But there is among this congregation this morning an untapped resource of leadership. Leaders, people that God will call and use to be leaders. Now, you don't have to be a deacon to be a leader. You don't have to be a deacon to be a leader, even though deacons are leaders. But you may be sitting around saying, well, if I ain't a deacon, I'm not a leader. And would any of us argue with the fact that Bobby and Susan have stepped up and stepped into positions of leadership, but they're neither one deacons? Nor are they going to be. They're not qualified to be, but that doesn't bother them. They're not sitting around saying, well, we're waiting on being deacons. If we'd ever be a deacon, boy, then we'd really step up and do something. No, you don't have to wait for some official title to step forward and say, I want to be a leader. I want to take some responsibility for the good of this congregation. This is your church. What we're looking for is leaders. Now, I want to talk to you just a little bit about that. God has put us all together for a reason. Now, when there was eight of us, like I said, none of you were here then. But at one time, there was eight of us, including me and Rachel. I pastored six people. All right? At that point, I could do it all. I could visit every... If you had a sniffle, I could hold the Kleenex for you to blow your nose in. I could do it all. I was there for every birthday party, every get-together, all of it. I just got six people to see to. That's no big deal. But as we've grown, as we've grown, the needs of the congregation grows. Now, I can run myself around and meet all those needs and God will say, this is about all Bradley can handle right here. About 150 people is all he can handle. And that's as big as we'll ever be. Because God won't put more on me than what I can handle. Or we can have some leaders step up and decide to divide up some leadership responsibilities. And God can say, boy, they're getting it now. They can handle 250. They can handle 300 people. They can handle 350 people. I believe it. I believe this church has that kind of potential. I believe it. 
I believe it has the kind of potential, un, I believe it has a kind of potential unlike any other church in Yancey County. And I, I think there's some good churches in Yancey County, but I believe this church has a potential that none of the other churches in the county has. And we cannot, but we'll not tap into it with this me doing it all and trying to push it and trying to move the needle every time. The only way we'll tap into it is if you'll allow me to lead leaders. In other words, we'll have some leaders that step up in the congregation beyond just the deacon board, have some leaders that'll step up and say, hey, I'll do this. Hey, I'll see to this. Hey, preacher, I'd be glad to do all the visitation. You let me take care of visitation. Hey, preacher, I'd be glad to do and have some people step up and then allow me to lead those leaders and the leaders to allow uh, to lead the people that are under them. That makes our work much more effective. I'll show it to you in the Bible. Watch this. When Moses died, God already had a plan. But he didn't just come up with it out of the blue. He'd been preparing Joshua to do what was about to happen. Watch it with me. Watch it with me. I want to give you three things real, here, real quick here. We need some leaders. Oh, let me, let me throw this at you. There are two kinds of leaders. Leaders who just lead followers. And then leaders who lead other leaders. A leader who leads followers needs to be needed. There's, matter of fact, that's the majority of leadership in America. That's a majority of leadership in our churches. Pastors that want to control everything. And they need for you to need them. They need for you to hang on every move they make. But a leader who will allow himself to lead leaders... They want to be succeeded. And what I'm telling you today is, this is my life's work. God has allowed me to invest heart and soul. And if I die, I don't know that I'm dying. Don't get me wrong. I ain't standing up here trying to tell you I got some kind of horrible disease. As far as I know, I'm healthy as a horse. I might get run over by a bus. I want this church to carry on. And what we need is some leadership. Leaders who lead followers, they'd only develop the bottom 20%. All of their time is taken up. It's taken up with the problems at the bottom. But when a leader's able to step back and lead leaders, he's able to develop the top 20%. And that, in turn, develops everybody. You know, Moses had that problem. Moses had that problem in Exodus 18. He's wore out. Everybody's bringing their problems to Moses. He's having to judge about every little thing. His father-in-law comes to him, and he says, you got to set some men over this. You're going to wear yourself out. You can't see to it all. It's getting too big. Moses had to step back and appoint men to handle those things and then trust those men to do it. And Moses said he put people in place to start handling those things. Leaders who lead followers focus on weaknesses. It's always a problem. Leaders who lead leaders focus on strengths. I'll say this. No one ever became their best by focusing on their worst. Think about this. Leaders who lead followers spend time with others. Leaders who lead leaders invest in others. 
Leaders who lead followers grow by addition, but leaders who lead leaders grow by multiplication. Leaders who lead leaders or leaders who lead followers impact only the people they touch. But leaders who lead leaders impact people beyond their reach. You say, oh, that's all good and well, but is it biblical? I would say whether it's right here with Moses and Joshua, or whether it's with David and Solomon, uh, or whether it's my friend with Paul and Timothy, Elijah and Elisha, there is a biblical principle that men that had leadership skills developed men under them to be leaders uh, so that the work of God could go on. Uh, these little old youngins go need a church to go to one of these days that still preaches the Bible but believes the stuff that ain't up to me it's up to all of us it's up to you so if I could cast this vision of having leaders that would step up and say I'll do something put me over it preacher I'm going to do something for the Lord three things I'll show you and I'll be done going to give an altar call Three things I'll show you. Now you say, preacher, how's it going to change? Well, a lot of the behind the scene things, hopefully it's going to change. Hopefully I'm going to have some people step up. It's going to take care of some of the behind the scenes stuff. There might be some scene things that will change. We've got some changes coming up in Sunday school classes. Everything's starting in February. We're going to restructure Sunday school a little bit. My Hope and prayer is that some of y'all get so involved in Sunday school and excited about it, you can't understand it. There'll be folks that'll step up and do things behind the scenes. Well, let's talk about it. Number one, Joshua was prepared to lead. Look what the Bible said in verse one. Give me verse one. Joshua was prepared to lead. The Bible says, now after the death of Moses... What is that next part? The servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spake. Unto who? Joshua, but it didn't stop there. Joshua, the son of Nun, look at it. Moses' minister. You know what had prepared Joshua for this moment to step forward and lead? All of those years that he had spent helping Moses and being a minister to Moses and being faithful and doing the right thing. You see, God does not thrust people into positions of leadership, helter-skelter. Oh, no. God puts people in positions of leadership that have been faithful to honor a few things, that have been a minister, that have had a service, been a minister to people. That is the kind of people that God promotes into leadership positions. Moses' minister. Don't you think about Joshua just a minute? You know the first time you ever see Joshua? He's in a battle. God has sent him to lead the battle against the Amicalites. The next time you see him, he's one of only two spies that come out of Canaan and say, we can take it. God's good. God is, I've got faith in God. We can do this. You see him again as he goes up on the mount with Moses. As Moses is there uh, communing with God, Joshua is there on the mount. What are you trying to say? Uh, Joshua made himself a minister. He made himself faithful over a few things. uh, And God made him ruler over many things. Maybe the most important thing it said about Joshua. Give me my next verse, Reagan. 
Maybe the most important thing it said about Joshua is there, that, that next verse in my outline, sweetheart. Numbers 27, and the Lord said unto Moses, take thee Joshua the son of Nun. Look here now, a man in whom is the Spirit. That's what God said about Joshua. We can, with our outward eye, we can see that Joshua was Moses' minister. He was faithful. He was there in the battle. He was there in the hard times. He was there in the troubled times. But I'll tell you what God saw about Joshua. He saw inside his heart. And he said, Joshua is a man that has the Spirit of God on the inside of him. He's a man that's full of the Spirit. That's what we need, Brother Neil. We need some men and women that are full of the Spirit of God. That'll simply say, oh, I'm willing to be a minister. I want to be a help. I'd like to see our church go forward. I'd like to see what all Concord Baptist Church could become. I'd like to see how many people God could save. I'd like to see how he change this community. I'd like to see how he change our county. Hey, but I'm willing to do my part. Get filled with the Spirit of God and be a helper. Be a helper. Seeing the work of God go forward. Now I want you to think about it. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Let me tell you young preachers something. People look at it all the time. All the time have, have these younger preachers that call me for advice and they'll say, man, I just wish I pastored a church like yours. And I said, well, I wished I pastored a church like mine 15 years ago. That's right where you are at. Wishing I could pastor a church like, it ain't like I ain't paid no dues. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe God's got me where I'm at right now. This is, I believe this all my heart, Brother Josh. I believe God's got me right where I'm at right now because of the years that I took Ellis Ray to the radio station. I believe that all my heart. So I'm telling you, if you'll just be faithful and minister without any limelight, without any money, without any pats on the back. I'm not trying to toot my horn. I'm just saying... 15 years, I took that old preacher man to the radio station every Sunday morning. Best decision I ever made in my life. Riding up down the road with the old preacher. Him saying, glory to God, there's that sunlight. Thank you, Lord, for the sun. Remember one time, I went and got him on snowy January morning. I called him and I said, Ellis, it's awful snowy. I said, you want me to come get you? CJ was the guy that got him before I did. He said, well, CJ would have come. <laughs> I said, all right, I'm on my way. Got up there in that driveway and picked him up. I mean, it was the snowiest time you ever seen his driveway. It's just like a mule's face. As in that little old S10 pickup, it was the manual. Had it four wheel low and first drive, just lugging off, off that driveway, and it died. <laughs> and when it died, it started sliding sideways. You know, it locked the wheels up. Ellis said, uh, I think you're holding the brake too much. <laughs> I said, I ain't holding the brake. This thing just died. It turned plumb around in that driveway, and we slid off backwards down there into the road, and I started it back up. Drove it to a radio station. On the way back home, he said, I'll just get out at the bottom of the driveway. <laughs> I said, you ain't going to walk up there in that snow. I'll drive you to the top. 
From that time on, though, when it snowed, he'd call me and he'd say, I believe, I, can, I believe you just go ahead and go ahead and preach and sing me a song. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> Learned his lesson. I spent them years taking that old preacher man. I, I honestly believe that's why God's allowed me to see a lot of things I've seen, do a lot of things I've done. I'm just telling you, God's just looking for somebody to step up. I don't care, man, woman. I'm going to make a controversial statement right here, a few. I don't care, man, woman. Married one time, two times, three times. Now, there's qualifications for deacons. And we're going to hold to the Bible qualifications. I'm talking about leaders. People to step up and take, take, take charge of a few things. All God wants is somebody that's willing, a minister. And so Joshua was prepared to lead. But then secondly, Joshua had a proper perception of what it was to lead. Look what he said there in verse 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, now after the death of Moses, watch this, the servant of the Lord. You know how Joshua had learned to lead? By watching Moses serve others. Servant leadership. It's the biblical principle. You know how I know it's the right way to lead? Because it's the way that Christ led. Me and Brian were talking about it the other day. We've got annual elections coming up tomorrow night at the fire department. I've been the assistant chief up there, I don't know, a lot of years. I'm trying to give it up. I told Brian, I said, you be the assistant chief. I just want to be the fireman. We're standing there talking about it. He said, I don't want to be the assistant chief. I know why he don't want to. Because the higher you go, the lower you are in any kind of volunteer organization. Because you become a servant to everybody else. All their problems, all their troubles. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So before you step up to be a leader in the church, I want you to understand it's not going to make you anything. (laughs) It's not going to be like, whoa, boy, I'm part of the leadership team down at the Concord Baptist Church. And I just get to boss around everybody. No, that's the way it works on a paying job. Not always, not always. <laughs> Public service is different, but not always. But for sure in a, a situation where you're having to depend on total volunteer labor, if you get to the place where all you're doing is throwing around commands, guess what? Pretty soon you ain't got nobody to command. Because they're like, I'm done with that. But if they'll see you with a heart for them, I'm telling you, God has so privileged me because these people in this building walk off the end of the planet for me because I've invested in them and loved them and they've loved me and I'd do anything for them and they'd do anything for me. I'd walk in the fire for them, they'd walk in the fire for me. But you don't get that by just bossing people around. You get it by being a servant. Helping them when they need help, and then they in turn help you when you need help. Am I on to something here? What we need is some leaders that will step up in our church that will prepare us for the next generation to come. 
Israel has caused me to look at life completely different. Because I'm pretty confident my children are going to have a church. But now I've got a grand youngin to worry about. You say, well, the Lord's coming. <clears throat> I like to think so. But what if it's another hundred years? What kind of church my grandkids going to have? When I'm dead and gone, where's this going to be? Neil is, I'm laying on my deathbed one of these days. I don't want to have to worry about what's going to go with the church. God's got me thinking a lot lately about legacy, what you leave behind. And I know, I guess I'm old beyond my years. I just turned 47. I ought to have surely another 60 years to live, right? I got good genes. But I tell you, it's dawned on me. Here's what's dawned on me, Dimsdale, is that if I wait till I'm 80 to start thinking about what I'm going to leave the future, I've waited too late. The greatest accomplishment that a man can have besides being saved is preparing the next generation. Someone said, great men plant trees, shade trees under which they know they will never sit. Plant them for the next generation. Now it's my job, our job, to plant a tree here that future generations can enjoy the goodness of God under. So Joshua he had the proper perspective on leadership because he'd learned it from Moses. Then let me give you this and I'm done. Joshua participated in leadership in the plan that was given to him by Moses. Look at verse number 10. Look what Joshua does. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. That didn't happen by accident. When Moses died, Joshua didn't go, oh, wow, I'm in charge. Uh, listen, would any of y'all like to be officers of the people? If you would, come see me after. The... No, he already had that set up. So that when Joshua came into command, he said, hey, officers of the people, come on up here. They all knew who they was. They'd been, been doing it. Hey, listen, we're getting ready to cross Jordan. Go get your people together. Tell them three days we're crossing Jordan. Okay, yes, sir. I will tell them. See, all of that was already laid out. It was thought ahead of. Now, I'm ask you something. I'm going to give a regular altar call. I'm just trying to cast this vision of needing some leaders to step up. I've got some departments for you to lead. Leaders, leaders, leaders. Now I ask you something. I can call names of some churches, but I won't. Because I wouldn't have it get back to those churches that I'd said. But there's churches across Yancey County right now that used to be booming places. And this morning, they barely keep the doors open. They were pastored by great men, but they never made plans for the future. They never set up leadership. They never put things in plan for the church to go years, decades, generations down the road. That's not a mistake that we can afford to make here. 
So my generational vision is this. So we'd have some people step up and be leaders. And it just might be that God would use you. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach this morning. Touch it, God. Lord, we got a desire to see your work go forward. I pray that you'd help it to. I pray that you'd touch hearts across this congregation. Lord, you'd set some. All I need is just 10 people, Lord. If you'd set 10 people on fire, give them, let them catch this vision about being a leader. The rest can be followers. Lord, if you'd, just, if you'd give me 10 today. There's no telling what we could do for you in this community. Lord, there's no telling what this church could be for generations to come. Bless and help, Lord, as only you can. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder this morning if there'd be some of you that at least would be willing to pray about it. Lord, do you want me to be a leader? Lord, is there something that I could do? Just willing to pray about it. Somewhere I could go.